0: Welcome again everyone to another episode of Revenue Jam. My name is Matt Green. I'm the CRO of Sales Assembly and I am joined again by the illustrious VP of Product Strategy here at Sales Assembly, Alex Mislom. Alex, how are you today?
1: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Digging the fall weather, I've got like a salted caramel candle going here in the desk. Definitely like loving the vibe right now. This is my favorite time of year. So I'm good.
0: I was going to say I could almost smell it from here. And yeah, speaking <laughs> of weather, I'm actually wearing a shirt that has long sleeves today. So you know that. This there it is-, is. But jumping right into it, I know that the, during our, our last conversation, we actually ended our chat really just referencing sort of in passing this concept that, that that you had coined, just creating a, a culture of learning within a revenue organization. So I'd love to start there, just picking up where we left off. I mean, I guess at the highest level, what does a culture of learning mean to you?
1: Yeah, I think it's a really great question. And I, I think the, the biggest thing to consider um, is that I think you can care about learning, right? Like I think there's an opportunity to say like, oh yeah, we want to train people and we want to make sure people are equipped versus actually creating a culture of learning where it really kind of lights a fire and and grows organically in your organization. And so I think the the culture of learning to me where it goes from like caring to culture is treating it just like any other like business unit you have, business objective you have and measuring it, prioritizing it, resourcing it, making sure that it really matters within the organization instead of just kind of the the lip service of, yeah, we're, you know, we, we have enablement or we're here to, we've, we've rolled out this training. All of those things are important, but not as important as kind of the building blocks of making sure that you are that you care, that you're measuring it, that you're setting expectations within an organization that you want people to learn and grow.
0: Yeah. some that, that you alluded to a moment ago, like, hey, we have this tool, you know, we rolled out the, this enablement program. I would bet that if we talk to a lot of leaders right now, they would say like, oh, hey, you know, we, we have this culture of learning I- internally when in reality, I mean, if someone like yourself were, were to kind of check under the hood, you might disagree, how would you differentiate, or how should people think about the difference between a true culture of learning as you just laid it out and a culture of coaching, right? Mm -hmm. Are they interchangeable or are these two completely different things?
1: Yeah, I would definitely look at those things differently. I think coaching is really important, right? It kind of comes from, it's almost the genesis of where the conversation starts, right? So coaching, I think just generally infers that managers are supporting, or there's this like trickle down of information to make sure that people have what they need, that you're educating them, where a culture of learning actually has a little bit more of a grassroots bottom up effect of Creating the psychological safety and the space for really smart people that you've hired to raise their hand and say, I see a way to do this differently, or I just learned this on a customer call and I want to try to implement it with the rest of the team. It really kind of drives that around a growth mindset, not just in your leaders, but from everyone within the organization, the idea that ideas can come from anywhere I think is a huge differentiator between that like culture of coaching versus a culture of learning.
0: Okay, yeah. Maybe taking that e- even a step further, why if someone's doing this for, for the first time and you know when they're thinking about creating this, I mean, what outside of some of the reasons you just mentioned, what are some of the, the, the bigger strategic reasons why it, it would be important to create a culture of learning within an organization right now?
1: Yeah, I think- you know, I know we were talking this about this pre-recording, but I think the biggest stat that sticks out to me was in a study from Deloitte that showed that organizations are 92% more likely to be innovative and folks are 52% more productive when a culture of learning exists at an organization. And to me, those are two like incredibly compelling <laughs> stats for especially the moment in time that we're in, in the, the economic environment. So. I mean, just even to kind of pull back, like start from the productivity standpoint, we're definitely in a time where the mantra is like, do more with less, unfortunately. (laughs) And so I think the, there's a scramble right now to figure out what that means and how we get there and how to continue to hit goals and a, a lack of patience for long tail results right now. You know, everybody's kind of trying to find how do we do this tomorrow? And I think that that's important, right? To be thinking through and- experimenting with new ideas but the bottom line is that the way that you do more with less is that you take that less and you pour into them right that the whatever whoever's at your organization the people that are there that you're really making sure that they're getting the education the skills and experience they need to carry forward like the only way you make them more productive is by putting in the information and the like foundation for them to succeed And a lot of that comes back to just like cornerstone things like psychological safety in an organization, right? Like the ability to raise your hand and say something without somebody being like, no, we're not doing that. I think that idea is dumb or like you getting boxed out of a meeting because you raised your hand and said, you know, something or just like not getting any feedback after bringing up an idea because I think. There's a lot of ideas that come to the table that you might say, like, great idea, wrong time, right? Let's keep exploring that, but it might not be something we can implement tomorrow. And so I think a lot of it comes down to psychological safety and just making sure that there is an openness to hearing people's ideas and then figuring out how and when is the right time to implement those good ideas. But unfortunately, I think what a lot of our organizations get stuck in is, just having that lack of psychological safety and people don't wanna raise their hands, they're afraid to raise their hands, they see the problems maybe better than their, like their advisor or boss does, but they don't feel comfortable sharing what they're seeing or think that it would be futile to raise their hand and say something because of experiences they've had in the past. And that really stifles that like, ability to innovate, right? The ability to move forward, do something better, do more with less. And so I think it's really important to have that psychological safety as a cornerstone.
0: Yeah. You you mentioned, some of the, a, a moment ago, just the, the lack of immediate gratification, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you know, tr- tr- the, the human nature component, maybe that's why, as we've spoken about before, a lot of leaders tend to fall back just into coaching versus mm-hmm. creating this culture of learning because, you know, number one, they might view it as like kind of one and the same, right? As we spoke about a few moments ago, but number two, you know, the, the, the impacts, such as they are, are immediately visible or at least visible in the short term. You know, I'm going to listen to this Gong recording. I'm going to go in and sit down with my rep and say like, Hey, next time do this, that, or the other thing differently. And the next time that they're on a similar type of call, I'm presumably going to see, you know, the, those changes. So there is that immediate gratification. I mean, do you think that if we're thinking ahead about how companies can think about, again, you know, building this type of culture internally, is that going to be one of the biggest reasons why leaders aren't doing this, why companies aren't doing this maybe as often as they should?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the other piece is uh, pace, right? Like I think we're, there's this competing priority of investment versus pace a lot of the time, right? Like we have to get to meet certain goals. We have to change quickly. We have to kind of push forward and and make sure things are implemented. And The goalposts are constantly moving at tech companies, right? Like it's just how it works. And I think in that it's really easy to kind of lose some of the foundational threads that need to be true for people to be successful. And so I think like what happens is the coaching becomes incredibly situational or, um, like very like deal specific customer specific and doesn't necessarily always under like address an underlying behavior or skill that somebody needs to develop. Right. So I I like, I'm going to go to a place that'll make you super comfortable Matt and just like a sports analogy and coaching. And for me, one of the things with skill development when I was coaching basketball you know, it, it's really easy to make in-game adjustments, right? Like, hey, take it, like pass it to the wing instead of passing it to the post the first time. Or like, we want to get initiated here. It's like small tweaks within an already built structure. But like the ability for somebody to make that pass well happens in a one-on-one environment outside of practice. That coaching doesn't happen in that moment. And I think a lot of people focus on getting people to mold into the, the philosophy, the, the structure and like do it this way, but they don't think about that individual as a piece of what needs to happen and like what skills they need to improve upon to help deliver that better. And so I think there's a lot of focus on the like in-game coaching, right? Like should have done this instead of this, or said this instead of this, use this slide instead of that slide. But there's not a whole lot of like What's the deeper layer problem that this person needs to get addressed to fix how they show up in as a whole in, in delivering their performance. And so I think that that's where a lot of the, like the balance of like coaching is very, can be very topical, right? It can be very like in the moment, deal specific, customer specific, where this, like the idea of a culture of learning, you're trying to really get at the skills and Growth of an individual to make sure that they're showing up as their best self.
0: What would be some of the other reasons why companies, why leaders, even if they instinctively understand, like they're listening to this, they're like, okay, well, yeah, I mm-hmm. get it. Why don't they do
1: it? It's hard. It's, you know, it's change management at its finest. And I think from a tech company perspective, all of us consider ourselves to be. a a version of agile, right? Like you have either some sort of fast pace from a product standpoint, maybe you're moving quickly on the developments that you're making or you're consistently changing your messaging. So your marketing team is always ready to be on the fly, right? And just because you're changing doesn't mean that you're doing great change management. And so I think that's a place where a lot of folks conflate the idea that, there's the education is appropriate for the pace at which they're moving. And so I think what happens a lot of the time is there's just a lack of dedication to something like this. It's really easy to sidebar in, in pursuit of efforts of things that can happen tomorrow, right? So it's really easy to like take your eye off the ball of a, of a long tail result and say like, we just have to win tomorrow and not kind of have this consistent thread. So putting time, money, people on things that aren't as foundationally molding your company as much as this could be, right? So I think it kind of goes back to the initial question of like, are you actually looking at this inside your organization do you talk about when you talk about kpis is there like a learning kpi is there something that you're thinking and threading through from your organization from a foundational standpoint of how you approach learning do you have a common language is there anything that you can be using within your organization to make it more actionable and day-to-day rather than just saying like we don't have the time to get people up to speed. I feel like that's just a very common, like we don't have the time to get people up to speed. And it's like, there's, there's a difference between like being a lifelong learner and ramping, right? Like those two things are very, very different. And unfortunately I think sometimes it gets like all jumbled into one when it comes to performance.
0: Yeah. Time, money, resources—you know—three things that, that are in short supply for most companies right now. And you know, taking that a step further, I mean, we both talked to a whole lot of enablement leaders throughout the okay. course of any given week, and the common theme that that we've been hearing, unfortunately, over the past year, is they, as you know, not painting with too broad a brush strokes, but by and large, enablement leaders. They are becoming, or at least they feel they're becoming, more and more sidelined within the organization. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, they have a whole ton of accountability, not a whole lot of ownership and responsibility. Right? Yep. If if you are well, you are an enablement leader. So, Alex, you put mm-hmm. put on the leader hat. I mean, if, <laughs> if you're pitching this to sales leadership, to the executive team, to the COO, to the CEO. How, how how would you frame this in a way where, again, it is balancing or, or it is walking that fine line where it's like, hey, sure, we understand human nature, not going to get the immediate gratification. But here's yeah. the argument that, that we really need to make for making these types of time and monetary investments right now.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's the ability to balance between like strategic and tactical. Right. And I think that that's I think if you look at any business it likely means that their enablement stakeholder has a really important seat at the table, that they've brought them into the fold, that they're planning with them, that they're a part of those conversations, that they're allowing that stakeholder to influence how they think about large business initiatives, right? And I think that that's where you'll see enablement really thrive, because That means that you're letting somebody into the room who cares about how these things are being done and can like advocate for people and advocate for a process and how it gets rolled out and what amount of learning is the appropriate amount of learning versus too much and too little and timeliness of what's happening in somebody's schedule to say like, yeah, let's definitely not roll anything out at the end of the quarter. Right. (laughs) So I think that you, by allowing those people in the room, you find that it, There's just a much more cohesive unit when it comes to learning within an organization. And kind of like you mentioned, when folks get siloed and are asked to be tactical and execute, but don't have the ability to influence overall strategy, you're just perpetuating the, like, it it actually delays what the outcome that you're trying to get to. Because you're now like there's tension within the business and you're working against each other from a delivery versus results need, right? And so I think and at the minimal, it's frustration. And at the worst, it's like really decreased performance and lack of information for folks at the end of the, the line. And so I think that's where it's really important of making sure that there is that strategic mindset, that growth mindset, the idea that we're ever evolving, that things are going to consistently change, that we have to be able to equip people within that. And that doesn't always mean a new pitch deck, right? (laughs) Sometimes that means like, do people feel like they have the skills to have difficult conversations to manage up, right? Like those aren't skills that necessarily lead to revenue directly, right? You can't like look at the data and say like, oh, we sold more deals because of, but there's a ton of business efficiency that comes in being able to implement some of those practices and have people who are really confident in utilizing those skills.
0: Yeah. Maybe let's, take that a, a step further, because, you know, I, I think any, that would resonate with any business leader. If there's going to be a case to be made, it is, okay, these investments that, that we're making right now is going to lead in some sort of line that you're going to be able to see visually to higher performing teams, right? Mm-hmm. So how, I, I guess, how, how would you explain how a culture of learning would lead to this type of skill development? That, that, that you discuss, which then, of course, in an ideal world is going to directly translate into, okay, well, if your team is upskilled to a greater extent that they have been, then their performance, you know, it, it is going to represent that.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, like, first and foremost, if it's being perpetuated from a leadership standpoint, right? Like, if you work at a company where you can see that from the C-suite down, people care about learning, you're going to be more apt to keep learning, right? So there's not this sense as an I see that you kind of get to a place where you're like, I've arrived. I don't need that training. I don't need that new piece of information. I don't need to go to a webinar that shows me from a, you know, subject matter expert in the field, how to do something differently. It keeps you open, right? Like you just kind of drink in that culture to say like, Oh yeah, I, there is more to learn. I can be better. I can be 1% better every day. And so I think that having that at the top really kind of permeates down to the front line of like how they show up. Right. And, and I think that it really makes a difference to be able to, to set that standard. And then from a performance standpoint, you know, I think it really opens the door to have a conversation about what are the true blockers? Where is the biggest need for you to, to develop and even tying those conversations into things like career pathing and motivations and personal goals. You know, I could even go there too of just like being able to help people understand how to have that consistent growth mindset and and, and dive in and say like, okay, you know. I've been thinking about this and you've been giving me this coaching. And I actually don't think that like objection handling is my problem. I think I don't have confidence with executive stakeholders. Right. So it's like, okay, right now we've got a layer deeper. Now we have something to work on that may not again, be able to say like, oh, okay, we can measure that and draw a line. But being able to identify the root cause, I think is a huge piece to getting to optimal performance. And I think that's what any business leader is looking for. Right. It's like, You don't wanna treat people like cogs in a machine or pawns in a chess game, but like you do need everybody operating at their best. And so the way to get there is by creating an environment for them to be able to safely say, I'm not, right? I don't have what I need. I see a gap and I wanna fix it or I need help in this area. And I think it's also great when managers can be vulnerable with that too. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've been asked the question and I don't know the answer. And I think I tried to cover, right. As a manager of like, well, maybe it's this and blah, blah, blah. And I like realized I just roundabout got to no help for that person instead of saying, I don't know, but I'm going to find out and I'll get back to you once I have an answer. Right. And I think that like leading from the front, from a management perspective with the vulnerability and understanding that like, you aren't supposed to know everything. <laughs> it really can help open up that culture of learning.
0: Okay, So I guess my my last question would be, let's say just got out of an ELT meeting. Hey, Alex, makes perfect sense. Let's do it. Where do we start? right? Because this is big picture stuff. So what are yeah. one or two incremental steps that we could start taking today on this larger mission of building this culture of learning?
1: Yeah, I think this is actually a really important piece because I think you could get really excited about something like this, make it grandiose and then never achieve, right? So I think the biggest thing is to, as an ELT team, look at it and say, what's a small step in the right direction that we can make that's gonna be visible, measurable, easily understood by the organization and we can communicate that, right? So it's like, okay, we're not just gonna flip the table tomorrow and be like, Everything's different. We're a culture of learning now, like because you have to get people to buy in and believe it. And so, in order for them to see that you're trending in that direction, you have to baseline yourself, measure the results, and then communicate that things got better, just like anything else within your business, right? So, it's finding that thing that matters most at that moment to start saying, okay, we're going to really lean in here. We want to build the thread. We are going to be really open to like ideas come from everywhere. If you think you have something that can solve this problem for us, we want to hear from you, you know, whether it's town hall style or survey or whatever it might be, it's really just kind of like opening up the gates for there to be solutioning for a problem and then measuring how it goes. Right. So I think you can start with really small initiatives to start to build that confidence that then gets you to the place where it's like you can get into those bigger KPIs you can talk about you know how much time the team is spending in training per year right like that type of stuff i think if you try to index to some of that stuff where you don't have a foundation today it can be feel really gnarly to be able to like move to that place so i mean just like anything else it's like baby steps right getting in on a place where you know that it matters that the company can get behind and i think Visibility and executive sponsorship are two really important things to get it rolling.
0: Yeah, I love that. Couldn't agree more. That's probably a a great place to at least End this conversation. I'm sure that we'll be having more conversations about this in the future. But thank you again, Alex, as always, for spending the time, for contributing your your knowledge and, and just your thoughtfulness around what I think that we could all agree is an extremely important and urgent topic within revenue organizations, especially now when we're planning out like, okay, how are we gonna put ourselves in the best position to succeed come 2024?
1: Yeah, oh, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me again. I always love chatting. This stuff is the stuff that fires me up. So fun to talk about and always happy to chat with anybody who's interested to learn more. Okay.
0: Well. Thank you again. This has been another episode of Revenue Jam. We will see you here next time.